everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and we're back with a brand new episode, and we are looking at James Bond films, and in particular, with today's episode, we are looking at the Daniel Craig era, um, which is one of only two eras of Bond that I've seen the entire way through, the other one being, especially as an 87 baby, um, so then mostly a child of the 90s, the Pierce Brosnan era. Brosnan was my was my first Bond. Now, I've seen some of the other Bonds. I haven't seen any of Dalton's films fully. Um, I haven't seen the Lazenby one, um, but I have seen, I just can't remember which one, um, and I eventually might, I want to check them out more, um, is one from the Roger Moore era and then one from the Sean Connery era. Um, Bond is a franchise that, it's I've been peripherally into. Uh, it's not one that I have a huge vested interest in, um, like I have for a long time with, say, like Star Wars or Marvel or or DC or in particular Batman or Star Trek. But it is a franchise that I've I've enjoyed um, since I was since I was a younger kid. And I saw Goldeneye, and then in particular got to play the excellent Goldeneye on N64. Um, but it's one that I've gotten more interested in in the past several years, partially um, through the outstanding Bondzilla podcast. Um, I've plugged them before where it was two friends uh, who were introducing each other uh, to franchises they were big fans of one had never seen any of the Godzilla films and one had never really seen many or any of the Bond films and their deep dive into Bond was was fascinating um as and another thing that's contributing to this the the growth and interest in it is um I checked out an amazing uh book called um sorry it was the 50 year mission which was by Mark A. Altman and Edward Edward uh, Gross or Gross. I'm just not sure how to pronounce his last name. And that was looking at the production of Star Trek. It was split into two volumes, the first one being uh, the original series, the animated series, and then phase two, which didn't happen, and then the original series of films. And then the second volume was looking at Next Gen, the Next Gen films, DS9, uh, Voyager, Enterprise, and then the Kelvin Timeline films. Um, and these guys, it, like, it's done as an oral history, and then they did uh, a book about Bond called Nobody Does It Better. And it's a very, very interesting and fascinating book. So... I've been in a bit of a Bond headspace over the last little while, and I've even started checking out the audiobook of Casino Royale. Um, didn't get too far into it. Might have just been the mood I'm in, so I want to give it its its chance. But I talked about Bond a little bit on that episode I did a while ago, Where Should They Go? Because it's, honestly, it's fun for me to, one, make pitches but two, to try to figure out where should franchises go, especially especially long-running ones. And the Dalton era, 
sorry, not the Dalton, um, the Daniel Craig era of Bond, unlike any of the other ones before it, have, have a definitive beginning and definitive ending um, and a, a tight and I'll say attempted tightness of, of story and continuity that wasn't in any in the Bond franchise before. Um, when you start at Dr. No with Sean Connery, he's already 007. Uh, when you get to the end of Die Another Day, he's still 007. And there's been some intermingling stories along the way and some references, but nothing where it's like in the Craig era where it is like Casino Royale, the the prologue to it is Bond's first mission. It's how he gets his double O. And then by the time we get to No Time to Die, it's we're killing him. This is the one where Bond dies. Um, and it's also the most recent one. So it's in a way ripe for exploration um, without some of the... for lack of another term, difficulties you might get with some of the earlier ones. Um, and eventually I might do a, a make your pitch about Bond, um, just because some of those earlier ones, uh, which I do want to watch again at some point, it's just they were products of their time in the sense of even though they have a charm, there is some extreme chauvinism uh, and sexism and also racial insensitivities and yellow face in in certain of the movies which is uh not not cool um thankfully we didn't get that in the daniel craig era but there are some other things and for for a lot of people uh i've seen them be like the craig era is the best bond like craig's the best bond and i'm not Sure, I I agree. So we're 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 gonna dive into it a bit. It's I for the most part had a really good rece- I, I really liked the the Craig era. And my issues with the Craig era, much like my issues with the um the Brosnan era, have little to do with the actor playing the character of Bond. Um Pierce Brosnan, I think, was a fantastic Bond. Daniel Craig was a, also a fantastic Bond, just a different one. Uh, but both had story issues, and their films, I would argue, got increasingly not good. Now, I don't think any of the the Craig films got as bad as, say, die another day but this is where i'd argue in some aspects they got more disappointing than than die another day um and it's not to compare the two it's just that it's just that illustration where the filmmaking craft behind the craig the craig era of films was phenomenal like they're very well made films they're not necessarily well all of them aren't necessarily well written films or well executed films and they they stumble under some of their things and some of the narrative routes they go 
it's just like, man, we hit that high of Casino Royale, which is arguably the best Bond film. And then we get to, people used to say we get to Quantum of Solace. I'd argue we get to Spectre. And you're like, man, we've got this going on. Uh, like, we started off so high. And then we get to Spectre, which is a mess. And you've got so much talent in there with Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, with Dave Bautista as, as a mute henchman. Um, like, they're terrifically cast, but you're like, this is not living up to what it should be. That at least with the Brosnan films, like, Die Another Day is bad movie. Its first act is stellar, and then its second act is let alone his third, is is absolutely bonkers. And you're like, what the hell happened within this movie alone? But, I mean, going from GoldenEye, which I'll argue doesn't necessarily hold up well, um, to Tomorrow Never Dies, which had a very rushed production, to The World Is Not Enough, which had some promise, but also had issues, and then to Die Another Day, like, you can follow the quality trajectory. Um, and visually, some of the stuff does not hold up well. And we're looking at like the stupid parasailing and the ridiculousness was amping up. So it's kind of like, OK, there's there's these things going on with you. You can track it, though, with the Craig era films because they're so competently made and you're not having that issue that for me the quality issue of the story execution and narrative doesn't it, it it's almost more upsetting than the other ones because you're like man it'd be unless you were somehow unless die another day was entirely marketed off of that first act which it wasn't um and it was trying to keep that tone while it went to the absurd things it did in the second half. It doesn't have like a similar. Like emotional plummet, for lack of another term. So the Craig era was in a way that immediate response to Die Another Day, which people in the Bond community rag on all the time. But it was also until the Craig films, the most successful Bond film that had been released up to that point. It's not like where with Dalton's uh, last film, License to Kill, bombed. Like that—that that was the first and only James Mo Bond movie that that bombed. Die another, Die another day was a huge financial success. Critically, you get what I'm going with it, but financially. It was it was insanely high. But then they're like, OK, we might be going too far. So let's let's take it back. The Bond franchise is also like ripe with rights issues and all that. So they could. Eon could never do Casino Royale until they got the rights in, I think, 99. And then it's like, hey, this is a great reboot point. 
And Bond had had some like soft reboots before, technically, with um, every new casting, you could look at it like a soft reboot, but they would also reference things loosely that happened in the in the past. So it was still connected. This was like a hard reboot. And it was also we're going really gritty. It was like Casino Royale came out in the era of the gritty reboot. It Its influence from Batman Begins was on its sleeve and in its process. And that's not to its detriment. It's to its strength. Uh, Casino Royale is, to me, the Craig era at its best. Um, interestingly, it was directed by the same guy who did Goldeneye, which was a soft reboot and bringing Bond back after six years of no films, which was the longest time between Bond films up until that point, because the franchise used to be one a year and then it became one every two years and max one every three years. Like these were coming out like clockwork. So a six year gap was a long, long time. And even in the, the longest gap with the Brosnan era was three years between the world is not enough in 99 and die another day in 2002. So this, uh, I just, I wish I could remember it. Martin Campbell, the director. It's interesting how he can reinvent bond twice, but also just so separately uh, and so differently in those two films and bond in the nineties and then bond in the era of the, the gritty reboot. Um, Casino Royale had the stuff that for better or for worse, like really got stapled on to the Craig era. You got Vesper, which was dope. You had a great Felix Leiter. You had as Le Chief, an amazing villain in Mads Mikkelsen. You had stuff where it was acknowledging what came before, but also showing like, hey, we're not going to be slavish to it in the sense of, I still remember that scene where they're like bond orders a martini and they're like shaking her stirred. And he's just very angrily. Like, do I look like I give a damn? Um, Casino Royale holds up. It, it still really holds up, even though it's got stuff that in a way date it to its period uh, that it was made. IE the parkour sequence, which fantastic sequence, but that was all the rage in 2006 <laughs> and as well the poker uh the like in the early 2000s the world series of poker was a thing it was a huge thing um so aside from that culturally it's dated but it it holds up very very well um quantum of solace is a very mixed it, it's it's a mixed bag it's like that. And that's the whole era. But I'd argue Quantum of Solace doesn't disappoint me in the way that, unfortunately, the next three films do. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second, because I know people who love Skyfall and I used to be one of them. I'd be like, that's that's my favorite Bond movie. Doesn't hold up. Uh, and I'll get to that in a second. But Quantum of Solace. It is a mess. It, it It is. But it also has reasons for that. Uh, it was written just before the 
the writer strike in 2007. Uh, so they didn't have a fully finished script. And then no WGA members could add to it. Um, films frequently have numerous drafts. That's just a reality. And it's not uncommon for drafts to be edited and things to be rewritten while a film is in production. But most of the time that that happens, it's done by writers. Quantum of Solace did not have that. And Craig and the director, Mark Forrester, were rewriting the film as it was going because they, they felt it was needed. Um, and they had they did have some good ideas, but then they also had stuff that just doesn't hold up. And an example of that is like early on in the movie, a, in earlier drafts, a bigger plot point of it was the reveal of Vesper's husband, who if it's been a while since you've watched Christine Royale, Vesper was like bond, Bond's love interest. The woman who he almost he was gonna walk away from MI6 from, and then he finds out she played him. Now she did love him, but she was also married and she loved her husband. And Quantum, because they didn't have the rights to Spectre, um, was like, We've kidnapped your husband, and this is how you can get him back, and blah blah blah. And then you find out in Quantum of Solace that well, her husband was just Inspector and he was playing her. And they didn't... Like, that should be a huge reveal. And it was just kind of there. The movie starts as an immediate sequel to Casino Royale. But it doesn't end there. It sets up Quantum only because they don't have the rights to Spectre yet. And it goes in several different directions. There's a lot of action beats, way more than in the last movie, and they're there because they needed stuff to film. Quantum of Solace is a mess, but it, it does have some good ideas. And it also has a, that, like the opera scene where Bond is espionaging on Spectre was dope. And it also thankfully has a movie where Bond doesn't bed the girl. And especially the the two after it, he does, and it's kind of gross. Um, but it, it it like it is it is an immediate step down from Casino Royale. But there were reasons for that. I can't say that for Skyfall. So is Skyfall a better film than Quantum of Solace? Yes, absolutely. It was better written. It was better made. Does it hold up? I'm going to argue no. And it introduces to me some problems that the Craig era never, ever got over. Um, so somehow in the third movie, because let's not forget, two movies ago was this is Bond's first mission as a double O. We get to Skyfall, and suddenly he's an old man. 
you're too old for this, James. I don't know if you can do this. And a huge part of the movie is on that story beat, which even as much as I loved the movie when I first watched it, I'm like, okay, so like, did we do a time jump? And they never address that, which honestly would have helped if, if that had been the case. Cause then also Skyfall was an anniversary movie. So we're going to have references to the classic Bond films, including the Aston Martin and Daniel Craig's going to know about the ejector seat and all that. Even though he has not had this car in this franchise, <laughs> like, or had these stories where those, that tech got featured. So now it's referencing stuff just for the, the sake of it, which to me, that's showing it. Sure. Just driving it. Why not? As it's just like, it's a car in storage. Sure. But then because it, they're leaning into like, no, it's the Aston Martin. Um, that doesn't make any story sense. And there's the gross thing with the, like, I, I hesitate to even call her a Bond girl. Um, and I wish I could remember the actress's name. She gave a great performance, but find out it's the, the, in a way, the, the henchwoman of Silva. And we're going to get to Silva in a second. Um, but you find out she's been in the sex trade. And she's, like, so she has a very traumatic and bad like horrible past and she starts off so she starts off so strong so assertive uh and then as we get closer to silva that strength is kind of stripped away a little bit which can be a good story but then like how bond shows he's gonna be there to help her is this woman who had been previously abused and forced in horrible situations She's in the shower and Bond just walks in and joins her. That's gross. Uh, and then what they ultimately do with the character is also really gross. It, it just is. Um, where when they get to the island, after you get that fantastic, uh, fantastic monologue from Javier Bardem, just fantastic scene, great monologue. Um, when it's they, the scotch is on her head and then they kill her. They don't even sh uh, like, they don't even have bond show any sadness over her death. It's just like, damn, that was a waste of good scotch. Like it's gross. <laughs> it's not as gross as some other things, but it's just kind of like, I have, I have a hard time defending that. Bond can be cold. Bond can be calculating and he can be remorseless. He is a, he is a trained killer after all. Heck, one of the best scenes in the world is not enough is where Bond doesn't blink and shoots the main villain when she's like, oh, you won't kill me. And he just cold heartedly kills her. But it makes sense in the story that they're telling. And it makes sense in that scene. It does not with the treatment of this particular character, uh, which for me is a hard hurdle to get. It's become a harder hurdle to get over, and it's an uncomfortable reviewing. 
Where Skyfall really doesn't hold up for me, though, is, frankly, Silva's plan. It's it's just absolutely absurd. Um, and it also had the trope of bad guys getting caught on purpose, which, I mean, we can think of several scenes that happened in Trek Into Darkness, Skyfall, um, The Avengers, and, of course the dark Knight, And I'd argue the only times that that trope ever really worked was in the dark Knight and the Avengers. Cause also those were just very straightforward and plausible Silva's plan of revenge. Because it all comes down to, I'm going to shoot M in the face in person. It does not hold up it doesn't work it's not simple and it relies on way too many plot conveniences because it it it's like this it's oh i'll leak the names of double o agents around the world and then i'll blow up the mi6 headquarters why so they'll send an agent to my associate who can then bring the agent to me who can arrest me so when I'm arrested and being interrogated, they can hook up my laptop and I can unleash a virus so I can escape all while this is happening. Uh, these events will make the British government have a public, at least public in the sense of that it's known and it's being talked about on the news, um, have a hearing about whether MI6 is even needed anymore. So M can be there so I can kill her. And then while the hearing's happening, I'm going to escape this backup MI6 location that I somehow, that I somehow knew they placed me in. And I knew I could escape to the nearby tube in. And then I know the agent will chase me and I'll lead him directly to a spot where I've planted bombs because I know exactly where, where we'll be and when we'll be there and when a train is coming so I can blow up the ceiling and drop a train on him who I know won't kill me. And why do I know that? So the third act can happen. Like, there are way too many plot conveniences for me to stay in the story that Skyfall is Skyfall is telling. Um, it takes me out every time you get to the Silva, the, the Silva plan. It's, it was a thing of like, we want to show how smart this guy is and that he's two steps ahead. Like, no, he has to be writing the movie for this to happen. Like, do you know how many variables would throw off any of this like it's absurd that though like the those chain of events would happen it's convoluted it would not work that way like it no <laughs> so as well as good as skyfall is and as dope as that adele song is come at me to me it's the best bond song fight me um, the film as a whole, it doesn't hold up as well as Casino Royale did. And it's not like Goldeneye that doesn't hold up because it hasn't aged as well 
in that it's shooting from the hip. Um, the Famke Jensen giving an amazing but odd performance. If you've watched Goldeneye, you know what I'm referring to. Um, it doesn't have those issues, but it does have stuff where it's like, oh, that was a movie trope that was going on for those four or five years that don't stand out well. At the time, I was just so wrapped up in how much I enjoyed the movie that I wasn't looking at it that I'll argue. I'm like, it, it does a good job of making you not look at it clearly, but it's unlike Casino Royale, it's one that on repeated viewings, like, oh, yeah, no, there's a lot that doesn't really work about this movie. Um, then we get Spectre, which to me is the low point of the, the Craig era. Now, I've I've ranted about Spectre on this show before, um, but the, the, the short version of it is, like, the Blofeld of it all was, to me, really, really stupid. Um, it was needlessly convoluted. Like, the, Skyfall started giving a bit of an interesting family backstory to Bond that hadn't really ever been explored in the movies. Uh, and then Spectre's like, we're going to triple down on that, um, where Blofeld is going to be secretly Bond's stepbrother, uh, or not stepbrother, because Bond's family was killed, so he got adopted by Blofeld's parents, and Blofeld was jealous that his parents liked him, uh, that his parents liked him more, so he killed his parents, and then he faked his death, and then he authored all James's pain, even though that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like it's a, he's a, he's a jealous brother throwing a tantrum. Um, and then it was, we're, we're diving into Spectre because we have the rights back. So we're just going to be like, well, quantum was part of it. Um, Spectre does have some good things. Again, that the opening to Spectre, uh, with the day of the dead celebration in Mexico was gorgeous. It was dope. Um, I don't think it was as good as Skyfall's opening, but it was a damn good opening. Um, Christoph Waltz is a fantastic actor and him as Blofeld could be awesome. It wasn't because of what they had Blofeld be. Uh, Dave Batista as a throwback henchman could have been dope. It was okay, but they didn't have him say a word, which Dave Batista's got charisma and charm off the charts. Dude's got acting range. And also, if you want to see his charisma, even if you're not a wrestling fan, look up Batista when he was in wrestling and see audiences flip their crap over him. Like, the dude knows how to connect with an audience, and they didn't let him. Uh, and then it's also, you have so many story issues with Spectre, where it's, again, oh, MI6 isn't needed anymore. This is like the third or fourth time they've done this with Bond. Um, it's Bond going rogue, which is its own trope at this point. Uh, trying to make Blofeld... Bond Joker, which then they double down on in No Time to Die, doesn't work. 
um, that needs to be earned and it wasn't. Um, heck, if you strip the brother stuff away, if you strip away the I'm the author of all your pain crap, I don't hate Blofeld as much. But to me, it was like, hey, shared universes are hopping right now. And Bond has always, it, and it really has, it has always done stuff where it incorporates other things that are working in other franchises. But that's film in general for the most part. So I think you could do this, but they didn't. It was thrown on after the fact. If you wanted to sprinkle that throughout up until this and then have the reveal without it being the brother sure i'd still say to me the other frustrating thing about specter is as much as silva's plan was absurd his whole thing was like no he's a rogue person i don't take orders from anybody i don't work for anybody i run my own thing and then have it inspector be like no he worked for me that also undoes a great character thing from the last one because even though his plan was absurd the character was dope and the performance was dope, and now we're kind of lessening that. And I also don't buy the the romance between Bond and, I think her name was Madeline Swan, where we're now, again, two movies, uh, three movies away from, in Casino Royale, he was willing to walk away, for, uh, away from it all for Vesper, but they did a good job of establishing that relationship and establishing that chemistry. And it's also early in his career that it could be like, yeah, I've got happiness. I'm going to go for this. Where as in this, I'm like, okay, I, I could buy you being into her for the movie, but being like, no, I'm going to walk away from it all for you. I don't buy. And then again, also we got some gross things with bond and the women in this movie. Um, where it, it it bothered me at the time of Spectre where he kills a guy and then he sleeps with the guy's wife and yes, it was an unhappy marriage and blah, 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 blah. But still, that's gross. And that, that that's kind of gross. And then it, it for me, the grossness is doubled down on where later in the movie, returning Mr. White from Quantum of Solace and I think five minutes of Casino Royale um, is involved, and that's how they really also double down on Spectre, where it's like, Quantum's just part of Spectre. Um, he's Madeline Swan's father, and he sends her, Bond, to take care of her. Um, and Bond is directly involved in his death. He doesn't kill him directly, but he watches him kill himself, and he was gonna die, and Bond would have killed him anyway. And then, it's his daughter, and <laughs> He sleeps with his daughter. So in this movie, Bond has, for some reason, uh, a penchant for killing people and then sleeping with their loved ones. It's weird. It might not be as it might not be gross like the poor woman in Skyfall was, but it's it's very odd. It's 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 weird and it's icky. Um, it's not chauvinistic like some of the earlier films were, but you're also like, what? Um, it's 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 a gross area. It's it, it's it's icky. It's not gross, gross like Skyfall, but still. No time of die. I've recently talked about, but 
it's the end to the Craig era. I don't think it works that well as a film. It's got some good, it's got some good beats. Craig is excellent in it. Uh, there's some good action sequences. Having a new 007 was not a problem, although they could have done much better with that story. Uh, people flipping out about it before it happened, like, oh, uh, they're replacing Bond with a black woman. It's like, no, the agent's a number. You've had other 00 agents in this franchise who have died. You think after 006 died in Goldeneye that there was never, ever another 006? Come on. The amount of 00s that have died in the history of this franchise, you think that, oh, when that person... It's not... They don't hang up the number. It's not like basketball where they'll occasionally retire the jersey. Like, oh, it's clearly another double O would come in and the number would get replaced. And they're not saying this is Jane Bond or they're calling her James Bond. No, this was her own character. It was a new person in the role. Um, and it was all right. And No Time to Die had some, like from knives out was dope i wanted more of her in that and the villain machinations like Rami malik's villain was underdeveloped he was just kind of there but nanobots like targeting certain bloodlines that's I like that plan because it's not any <laughs> it's not a it's not technology evil, <laughs> and it's also not friggin' is MI6 needed in the world, and it's not a movie where Bond's going rogue. But it also, ha it just, to me, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work as well as it should. Like, you knew that kid was Bond's from the get-go, and it they also didn't they didn't do enough with that relationship with bond and with swan or with bond and this kid to make it like to make that sacrifice play at the end have the meaning that they were going for like bond dying in and of itself would have been a fine way to go but when they're adding all that into it i'm like eh like you're you're telling me this is important but i don't you haven't earned that bond dying Yes, but the the other part where it's like you're telling me it's this huge emotional moment for these characters that have interacted very little uh and you haven't written out this amazing love story for yeah it 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 no time to die competently made, yes, but it also has more of that you're you're telling me this is important, you're trying to make a big deal of this, but you haven't earned that. And again, I'll point to the scene where it's the long introduction of Blofeld, where they're then interviewing each other uh, before Blofeld is killed, where it's like, you're trying to tell me this is Batman with the Joker. And this isn't. You guys have been on screen together for 15 minutes at this point. And the, uh, I'll admit there were some aspects of Blofeld in No Time to Die that I dug. Because uh, I believe two or three times, like something's happening with Bond and then it's like Blofeld taunting from the background. I'm fine with that. But it also, if you had had a couple of movies of build up to it, to the arrest, 
And then to the interrogation? Sure. But you're putting in the work. And it's earned. It wasn't. So it was a case of trying to tell me it's important or show me that it's important, but nothing you had done had earned the reaction you were you were asking from the audience. And that happens, I find, a lot with the Craig era. So sorry that I, I, I did not mean to go on for 40 minutes or rip on the, the films as much as I did. I still enjoy these, these movies for the most part. Um, if I had to rank them, it'd be Casino Royale, Skyfall still, even though it doesn't hold up as well. It's still got a lot of dope things. And it's the last one that I'm like, even though it's got stuff that doesn't hold up and some gross stuff, um, it's still one where I'm like, it, uh, when it was firing on all, on all cylinders, it was chopping. Um, I'm going to put Quantum of Solace above Spectre, um, even though it's less well-made. It doesn't bother me nearly as much as Spectre or No Time to Die do. Um, it doesn't have stuff that take me out of it, whereas both of those films do. Uh, Quantum of Solace, at worst, is boring. Doesn't anger me. <laughs> whereas uh, No Time to Die place at the fourth slot, because I... It, it's got a lot of the issues Spectre had, but it it it's better movie. And Spectre, I put dead last. Spectre, just uh, I have a hard time watching that movie. A lot of it takes me out. To me, it's it's a really, even though it's competently made, it's like it's a well made film. The craft behind it is is really solid. Um, the story execution is incredibly subpar <laughs> and when you look at it like what like i've got a daniel craig daniel craig as bond i shouldn't hate this movie christoph waltz as a villain with batista as a as a as a henchman uh the director who did skyfall coming back the cast that they the new cast that I liked of Money Penny and Q that they introduced in Skyfall they're coming back I like this I should like this and then I watched the movie and then I'm like what the heck is happening <laughs> and even though like the, the I, I I hold none of it on the actors it's but the producer's choice, the director's choice, the writing, the writer's choice, the direction they went in, take me right out of the movie. And it, it to me, it's it's not the worst Bond movie, but it is a, one of the most disappointing ones, at least that I've seen. Because as much as all, as much as yes, it's better than Die Another Day. The world is not enough. Tomorrow never dies. Those three don't disappoint me in the way that Spectre does. Uh, overall, I think the Daniel Craig era of Bond is one with it. It's a mixed bag. It has very high highs, and when it was firing and clicking, it was 
doing it more than Bond had in a while. But then because of that, I think also you're getting that gulf of where things aren't working. Its issue with quality was never budget, was never casting. You can't, I can't look at any of the Craig films and be like, the Denise Richards of it all, <laughs> like you can with Denise Richards in The World Is Not Enough. And that's not to pick on her, but woefully miscast. I can't say that at all about any of the Craig era movies. But the treatment of some of the female characters, just gross. The story inconsistencies of we start off, it's the first mission, third movie, he's old man Bond, he's too old for this, he should have stayed retired, and we're he's looking at things like he's seen them even though in this particular story he hasn't. Um, a lot of trying to have its cake and eat it too and tell us things are important without actually doing the work to earn it. And like it's going for it. It's trying to have an interconnectivity that one bond never really had before, but then two it's trying to have it without actually doing the work for it. Uh, it's just in the fourth one being like, Oh, Hey, guess what? All of these are really, really connected because this guy has been running it the whole time. It's, no, <laughs> it doesn't work. If you can do that, but you got to build up to it. And if you're going to be saying it's really all interconnected, then that should have been organically in the films from the get go. Overall, this is still one all uh, still an era I enjoy. Um, I'm curious as I go on a Bond adventure at points, checking out more, uh, checking out the Fleming novels checking out the earlier films um where it'll rank overall um i'm curious where after whenever we get the next one what how this era is going to be looked at um and if some of the issues i have will will fade away maybe some of the other one maybe in time i'll feel better about these or the next era will wait make so many more mistakes they'll be like oh man i miss specter because <laughs> you get what i mean um let me know in the in the comments though what were your thoughts on the daniel craig era uh, era of bond which was your favorite movie did you have some of the issues i did uh did you not what issues did you have that i didn't uh and who was your favorite bond let me know in the comments all that being said i hope you all are being safe staying warm um, and please, for the love of everything, be kind to one another. Please. <laughs> the world is such an unkind place right now. <laughs> uh, please be good to one another. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sorry if it was a little more ranty than normal. Um, but I, it's film exploration is fun for me, and sometimes I'll get heavy on it. All that being said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hope you have a wonderful day. Take care and God bless my friends. Peace.